Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. My name is Priscilla McKinney. I'm the mama bird here and I am here today with Michelle Gansley. I am so excited to have her. She is the Global Senior Director of Insights at Mars Wrigley and we had the just the privilege of getting a chance to talk at another colleague roundtable and the, the conversation got juicier and juicier and I'm like, wait a minute we got to have this conversation on the podcast. So Michelle, welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. Thank you. If you're a mama bird, does that make me baby bird? It can. It can. You can be in my flock. It's totally fine. (laughs) So Michelle, tell everybody about a day in the life for you, because I've got to say, you know, I'm in a lot of circles with market researchers, but the whole concept of being a senior global director is just a lot of responsibility. And also you work for a very big brand. So I think a lot of people listening are very curious what that really looks like. So I'm wondering, are we talking day in the life in COVID life or pre-COVID life? Touche. Touche. You take it either way you want. <laughs> I mean, because pre-COVID life, I spent a lot of time in airplanes and connecting with people live. And COVID life, it looks often like getting up at, uh, starting work at 6 a.m. and going to 6 p.m., which is very unsexy. But when you're trying to hit um, multiple different time zones, sometimes that's what's necessary. Um, But honestly, we spend, when you get to this level, what a lot of uh, researchers don't realize is the more senior you get, the less research you're actually doing and the more time I'm spending developing people, driving vision, um, building new capability. So I feel like I spend all day long in meetings (laughs) um, and trying to corral people towards a common vision, purpose, and end state more than I more than I do actually getting into the weeds of business problems and questions. Right. Well, you talk about vision and actually this is interesting because you and I met because of a very visionary approach, right? So yeah. uh, Zappy put us together. Um, you use them as an insights vendor. That's no secret. <laughs> but uh, you began to collaborate with some other big brands that they also serve. And I was just, I, I got just the honor to be able to be a part of that group for a little bit. And of course, you're not sitting around the table sharing trade secrets, but as professionals, you were sharing best practices and really helping each other more effectively answer these really pressing seen uh, in changing needs. Like, so there, there's, there's these long existing needs in market research, and then there's these newly emerging ones, but you guys were talking together and that collaborative approach just really struck me. And I always say collaboration is the new competition. And so tell my audience about how that came about and, 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 and really, you know, this commitment that you have to collaboration in the industry. Yeah, uh, it's funny because Ryan hates it when I talk about it in public forums because every time I do, he has like 10 companies calling him wanting to join. So don't, if you're listening, don't do that. Um, honestly, I have to give all the props to Stefan Gans from PepsiCo. It's, he's my personal hero and it is really his vision where he saw a need for, you know, we talk about faster, cheaper, better, but most of the research tech tools are faster and cheaper, but not necessarily actually driving better business outcomes. So he saw a vision of how he could partner with a research tech firm to drive his vision of doing that. And in that, he also realized one company alone can't do that. So it started off as a small collection of like-minded companies coming together to create methodologies for the future. But to be honest with you, where we've all, I think, gotten the most benefit from it is talking about conversations around the insights industry 
and what needs to change. So we spend equally as much time around the insights professional of the future on how do we drive change management around research tech? How do we evolve from this idea of like co-pilots to consultants? Um, so what has started off as creating new tools has turned into like, how can we influence the industry through our collective voice? And you've helped us with that as well. Which I yeah, well, believe me, I've been, I've had a lot of fun doing that because there are so many smart people at that table. It's really, it's really exciting. So you guys started collaborating in this way, but how has this collaborative effort really changed the way you do other things in your profession? Have you seen any other ramifications? For sure. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, for me personally, I think my perspective has massively broadened and also my confidence in decision making has increased because when I see that all of us are facing the same problems and we can brainstorm on solutions and we're all on different places on our journey and what where we're leaning in and not and so we can lean on each other for this has worked for us or, um, you know, or let's work together to solve a problem that we all have and can't figure out. Um, but it's also brought more credibility in the business. So we've gone through a massive uh, reorg within our insights function. And a lot of my ability to sell that in came from being able to say, well, PepsiCo did this and Colgate's doing this and name dropping these other brands <laughs> in order to get buy-in from our leadership team. So that's helped as well. And, but, and then the last thing is I've just made a lot of friends. Like I just am super personally highly engaged at work um, because I have all of these group of friends that I feel like you know, I, I trust and I'm connected to and I want to spend time with. Oh, see, and that's like, talk about coming at just the right time. You talked about what's your life before COVID and after, right. but these things have really made a difference because you're right. We are on, you know, the computer far too many hours at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Those people who would admit it, I mean, it, it, you know, we don't think it's sexy. We don't think it's a badge of honor. We're just saying it is what it is, mm -hmm. but really having other people that, you know, they have your back and that they could help you think through something that's really a wicked challenge, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, COVID days, it's, even though we're spending more time than ever on video conference and connecting, it's also lonely. Because yeah. we're basically in our homes all day. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Okay. You, I hope I don't make you uncomfortable right now, Michelle, but mm -hmm. I want you to brag a little bit on yourself. So you recently won an award and I want you to tell the audience about it. And I, you know, I, I, on one hand, I don't want to put you on the spot. On the other hand, it's so awesome. And I want to celebrate it. <laughs> you know, it's funny is um, there's this Harvard article about how um, women are more competent than they are confident and men are the other way around and not and this isn't meant to be judgmental to men but that is just true right and how in the insights industry we struggle with with like amplifying our voice and being proud of things but it, I'm super proud of winning Quirk's market research of the year but it's also somewhat embarrassing because you know of the thousands and thousands of people working in the industry like who am I to say that I'm market researcher of the year but it is a great honor and um, I think it's just a testament to my personal passion of driving the industry. And I think a call to other brands listening, the reason why I think Priscilla, you probably invited me here and why I get asked to talk a lot is because so many people and brands don't prioritize the external stuff because they're feeling they're like busy and overwhelmed, but it is this external stuff that I think makes the biggest difference in our internal worlds. Yeah, I totally agree. And that Quirks Award is not specifically just, you are the best researcher. It's, it's about okay. what do you bring to the table? What's your, you know, are you really able to communicate your unique perspective? And are you able to start bigger conversations and sustain them really so that the industry can change? And I think there's also a part that they recognized in you, which is that you do love 
love to develop people and that you do put the time in for mentorship. So tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, your interest in helping people really in the early part of their careers. I, I see that as a, I see that as a repeating pattern in your life, Michelle. Yeah, that's funny. I, I feel like I'm equal opportunity in mentoring people, um, maybe because I have gotten so much out of personal development and mentorship, but I think, you know, I'm now like what, 20 years into market research career and it's only been in the last three to five that I've really valued the external piece and connecting and, and whether that's um, mentoring up, mentoring down or peer mentorship. So I think the number one thing I always tell people early in their career is I think we feel like we have to have all the answers and solve all the problems when we're more junior, right? That that's like what we get paid for is having the answers and being the voice of the consumer. But actually there's no shame in asking other people for support and crowdsourcing the right answer. And the only way to do that is being externally connected and talking to people like me. So I always tell junior people, spend more time not trying to solve the problem, but asking people like how would others solve the problem and not trying to reinvent the wheel all the time and go to conferences. We don't, <laughs> especially in the brand side, we don't, we don't prioritize conferences enough because it just feels like one of those nice things to have versus must things to have. But it is through conferences that you broaden your perspective and meet new people and, you know, get inspiration. Right, right. Well, and I do see that that's such a big part of how you stay current in the industry. What are some other ways that you stay current in the industry when you're not going to conferences or, you know, whether they're virtual or they're face-to-face, which I can't wait to see it face-to-face some other time. <laughs> so Absolutely. we'll make it, we'll make it, Michelle. <laughs> but yeah, how else do you stay current? Well, um, besides conferences, I think, you know, in reading things like the Green Book um, blog post and SMR puts out a lot of great content like through Research World. Um, I pretty regularly actually take supplier calls. <laughs> you also probably don't want that getting out. <laughs> no, I do, no, no, I'm okay with that. But here's the trick to suppliers in the world is we get like a hundred million a day. The way to get noticed is just to focus on like the one thing that makes you either unique in the industry or that's like a unique take on something that exists in the industry. But so many times, you know, I'm only going to listen to somebody who's doing one of those two things because I, because I have a problem to try to solve. So I'm like scanning for someone who says they could solve that problem or they're telling me something I've never heard of before. I'm like, hmm, curious to learn more. Um, but anybody else who's trying to be like, I can do everything or let me tell you for the millionth time how I can use a Tinder way of doing concept screening. I'm probably not going to talk about to them about that. <laughs> Okay, drops the mic. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do like that. Um, this idea that you have a problem and you're you're trying to solve it, and you're happy to look out there. But but this kind of we are here for everybody is not an approach that works going to market. Not in the, not anymore. Right. Used right. to. It used to be the way. Right. But right. Not anymore. Right. Well, there are a lot of uh, big topics you and I have uh, uh, put on the table and, and talked in and around, um, but I'm going to give you a list of a couple of them, and then I want right. you to pick one or two, and you tell me, hey, I really, this is on my mind a lot, and I have something to say about it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with an interesting laundry list. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Omni-channel realities. I know these are, <laughs> these are something that come up in your work all the time. Uh, understanding the digital path to purchase, mm -hmm. the erosion of brand loyalty, the importance of customer experience, eco-friendly initiatives, or diversity inclusion. So is there one or two in there that you go, oh, I love talking about that, or I have such a great you know, perspective? 
I would say we're actively working on all those topics at Mars. I think the one that I'm most passionate about is diversity and inclusion, both in the way we recruit internally and how we do research. Um, it's funny because when I think about how hard 2020 was, the thing that emotionally was the hardest thing for me far more than dealing with COVID is the George Floyd um, incident and the rise of Black Lives Matters and the fact that it's, you know, the seemingly endless take two steps forward, two steps back around human equality. So that really truly keeps me the most up at night. And I feel like if I'm not actively working towards a solution where I can control it, like in how we recruit for research or how I hire people, then I'm not, I'm complicit to the problem. So I think a lot about and talk to people a lot about how do we get better at that. You know, you brought something up early on about how women are sometimes not as confident as they are competent. And I wonder if you also, you know, think about this in terms of, you know, groups that have been marginalized. And, you know, I, I, you know, I know that in mentorship, you have been an equal opportunity mentor to say, you know, if they're junior, if they're senior, you know, uh, if they've been uh, marginalized, if it's women, if it's men, whatever it is. But do you think that that's also, you know, part of the repercussion that we've had from just this, you know, history of social injustice is that even when given those opportunities, it is hard for, for those people to step into them because it is, it is very new and they, they do need mentorship to get there. And I, the reason I say this is because, and I'm just going to kind of preface it, is that, you know, in women in research and WIRE, we talk all the time about there being, you know, parity of gender on stages. Mm -hmm. And so people talk about it, talk about it, and they get, you know, an uproar about it. But I know because I deal with a lot of conference, um, you know, uh, uh, event planners that they ask a lot of women and they turn them down. I, yes, <laughs> I know. So bring, oh, that, bring that over to diversity and inclusion for me. What has what yeah. been your experience there? Um, you don't know how many times people... Um, in on my teams have said like I, I have as a goal to speak at a conference this year but I don't know what to talk about and I'm like literally anything <laughs> like, anything that you have done worked on any aha moment insight problem that you've solved it doesn't matter it's just getting out there and sharing your experiences and you know connecting but uh, I totally agree and that's true I think for all minorities whether it's women or marginalized communities etc that uh, it's all self-reinforcing Right, that we don't do that because we either not exposed or don't have the confidence or don't have the skills, capabilities, or awareness of it. So mm -hmm. I agree. And I think it's not an excuse that women turn it down, right? I think it just means we have to try harder or do things like put goals that we are going to find ways or create some kind of like prep thing for people or, you know, incubation thing to help women and minorities feel comfortable getting on the stage or whatever it is. Use it just following that example through. Right, right. I love that because the, the problem isn't just the opportunity. The problem is is multifaceted. Yeah. And the other thing that you, what you brought up there is that you can get up and talk about almost anything. And I think that people discount a lot of times the thing, the, the area, uh, you know, of where they are, uh, unconsciously competent, <laughs> you know, yeah. they know their stuff and they, they tend to downplay it. They don't see it as really meaningful, but for a lot of people who are not in their field, the basics are actually super interesting. I think people don't realize that a lot. I think mm -hmm. some of the most, most uh, popular talks I give to me are like, oh, I could do this in my sleep. You right. know? <laughs> I know. And I feel you... kind of dumb sometimes, but that's what they want. <laughs> I know. Do you have like tips or tricks on how if 
people come to you on how to what to talk about or you know how to create content do you yeah, have you know, ideas on what, how people can create some kind of process around that so it doesn't feel so hard and scary every time yeah i actually do and it's interesting because it was through covid that um jamin brazil started this uh club called mrx pros and actually yeah, well, julie curd and a couple have you been in some of that uh priscilla i'm the i was the speaker in the famous um zoom bomb <gasps> episode oh my gosh that was you i heard uh, that was like the zoom bomb that went around the it world amazing <laughs> I was okay, laughing my head to, off. Now you have to actually connect with uh, Michelle on LinkedIn in order to get the full story. So that's really good. But you know, they gave so many opportunities for people to give small little talks. And I mean, just so mm -hmm. many tiny stages, right? And I had some of my clients, um, you know, actually in that group. And I had a couple of them reach out to me and say, I, I've never spoken before. Can you help me? And I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, I write talking points for people all the time for their marketing messages. So uh, it was so cool because I got to really, you know, get some prep with people who are not used to, you know, speaking publicly. And even though it was a short, you know, talk and it was on Zoom and it was your colleagues, and it's still scary for people. Yeah, I love like, that. I guess the first thing I ended up doing with her, I really just, um, I'm thinking of one in particular that was most recent. And I really just helped her frame it. I think she was really trying to make this, these, like you said, these lofty ideas, this big theoretical thing that's, you know, it's like the thing that solves all the problems, the number 42, you know, I'm like, no, yeah, you totally. have one thing that you want to say, what is it that is unique that you have to say the way you see it? And then let's come up with three examples in your life of how this played out. And it's like, she's like, that's it. <laughs> like, like, yeah, but then we got into it and it was so juicy, but it's because she, she was in her space. She stayed in, she didn't try and mimic mm -hmm. someone else. She really just honed in on what she really had to say. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, well, this is, you know, actually pretty easy. And then I heard back from so many people that her, you know, her presentation was so awesome. They loved it. And oh. I LinkedIn, so many people saying, oh, that was great. And I love this part and I love part. And I'm like, See, when you just really do em embrace yourself and the, the, the thing that you have to say, it, it really does work. And I love that you're really helping so many people, you know, even consider that they could see themselves on a stage like that. I like that idea, though. I hadn't thought about the MRX pros being sort of a safety net for, I mean, I wonder how we can find other avenues like that to make people feel more secure, because it is true that so much of it is just you need to just do it once and realize like, oh, that wasn't that hard or bad. Mm -hmm. I think um, the other thing, at least in the corporate side, is people are always afraid of like, what if I say something I'm not allowed to say or <laughs> say the wrong thing? I was like, as long as a competitor can't take that and, you know, be advantaged from it, you're probably not going to have to worry about that, right? But just to tell a personal story, the things that people get most excited about when I speak is when I tell about a time that we screwed up. Like either the company screwed up or I personally screwed up and what I learned from it, right? Like everyone's got screw ups. <laughs> that's an easy will to dip from. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's interesting. You bring that up because the, actually the one market research uh, presentation I have remembered the most over the years. It came out at IIEX in Austin one year and it was Microsoft and they basically like showed their colossal failure on making a survey um, accessible to people who were blind. And I they actually, do you remember that? that yeah. I mean, there, you could not, I mean, I, 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 you, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. So we were listening to the survey, which was the vision enabler explaining to the person 
what they should click on the screen to do the survey. And it was impossible. Like, we're like, what, what is going is, Are you speaking English? And it was so great because they started with that. And then they're like, this is how we failed. And this is how we all have to do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. And what's wrong with that? That was super. I don't know why super that's great. so taboo to share failures, but no, I don't. I don't know. Well, I do want people to connect with you. It's Michelle Gansley, and it's Michelle G A N S L E. So find her on LinkedIn, and definitely take a look at some of the things that she posts. And um, and then Michelle, you need to get another chance to speak at MRX Pro, so, <laughs> so you can do it right. But you know, can you maybe finish us off here by? telling me, you know, what is it that really keeps you in market research or what's really exciting you about what's coming or what you're doing? Yeah. Oh man, that's a big last question. (laughs) Um, I mean, obviously most people that are in the insights industry are in it because we're naturally curious human beings and we can't help ourselves. (laughs) So that's partially what keeps me in is that it keeps changing and evolving. And as a curious person, that um, brings me joy and excitement. But I think for me personally, where the world is going to of this idea of from being pe- people who are just like voice of the consumer and digging into data to being what I always say is like um, a concert orchestra conductor, right? where one thing that I personally do really well, and I think most of us in the industry do well, is connect disparate dots. Like I like to always say, you know that movie, A Beautiful Mind from several years ago? You know how he has like all these data and, and stuff on boards and like his brain is like, do, 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 and he sees all this stuff and he's like able to see the right answer. Um, That's how I feel like we are as insight professionals. And I think that's super cool. And I love where the industry is going towards more focus on business impact and less focus on like doing the research because of things like automation and big data and predictive analytics. Mm -hmm. So I think technology is enabling us to do what we do best and take out, strip out the stuff that sort of sucks about our job that we've just accepted as a part of our job. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, as a very established brand with Mars Wrigley, you know, you guys are also still in the hot seat because COVID changed it for everybody. It was a democratization of what's going on in brands, right? So yeah. everybody is, is you know, trying to get a hold on where um, the consumer is, what kind of consumer behavior changed. And so it's just as, you know, difficult for you right now as it is for someone else. So we got to make these, connect these dots somehow. And if we don't, obviously the brand is going to fall, you know, behind. So I mm-hmm. love that you're focused, really focused on making sure that we're driving meaning out of, you know, the work that's coming out. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. I, this has been really cool. And, um, and like I said, when you get on MRX Pros, can you please ping me before okay. and I get to come on? <laughs> I'll definitely let you know. Um, and it's always a joy to chat with you too, Priscilla. Awesome. Well, from all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.